Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. It is time for Market Made Atlanta. Stone Payton, Corey Rick here with you. Corey, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Who do we bring with us this morning? Well, today, Stone, we have another great show. And on Market Made Atlanta this morning, we have another great guest, Mr. Don Brivaldo of Brivaldo Capital Advisors. Brivaldo Capital Advisors is a boutique Atlanta-based mergers and acquisitions and corporate finance advisory firm, and it provides independent economic and financial advice and execution services for lower middle market companies with revenues typically between $10 million and $300 million that are located primarily in the Southeast United States. They offer a full range of transaction and advisory services, guiding their clients through sell-side transactions, exit strategy planning, growth through acquisition, debt restructuring, and corporate recapitalization. Don's team has extensive expertise in a wide range of industries, including industrials, information technology, healthcare, and general business services. Over the years, Don has been a tremendous resource to the folks I've referred him to, and he's also been a loyal partner and friend for many years as well. Don, welcome. Thank you, Corey. Glad to be here. Thanks, Stone. Good morning. Well, that was pretty thorough. Do we really need to do a show now? <laughs> that was pretty well, That was easy. Well, what are we going to do for the next 58 minutes? <laughs> exactly. All right. Let's ask him some questions. Well, Don, why don't you introduce yourself to the listenership here, and um, you know, hopefully we gave you an overview of, uh, uh, of your company, but just introduce yourself a little bit further. Sure. I appreciate that, Corey. Well, I'm Don Brivaldo. I'm president of Brivaldo Capital Advisors. Um, in terms of, of my background, I describe myself as a reform CPA uh, and a slow <laughs> learner, I would add, because it took me about seven years to figure out that I hated being chained behind a desk. Uh, but during that seven years, I spent time uh, with some really notable accounting firms, uh, Arthur Anderson being one, another regional firm here locally in Atlanta called Bennett Thrasher. And it was there Great firm. that I had – thank you, yeah. And uh, they've, they've done some amazing job growing since since I departed. I don't know what that says about my stay there. But in any event, I learned a ton uh, about assessing financial risk and doing audit work, putting financial statements together, which has really um, allowed me to have a different perspective on boutique investment banking and M&A transactions. Uh, I think the world uh, for getting a start um, downtown with with Anderson so many years ago uh, and finishing my accounting career with Bennett Thrasher. Uh, but along the way, um, on the uh, personal side, I, I would tell you that I've, I've been an Atlanta resident since 1993. I'm a Georgian native. Uh, the best thing that ever happened to me, I, I give a ton of credit to uh, the folks at Bennett Thrasher where I met my wife. Uh, we're celebrating 18 years. Oh, congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, and, um, you know, it's been a wild ride uh, building a great firm where we get the pleasure every day of helping entrepreneurs achieve their lifelong goal of building a great business and putting an exclamation point on the end of building a great business by helping them exit that business. You know, you mentioned that you had some experience as a CPA and you hit a point where uh, you decided that that just really wasn't uh, a path you wanted to continue on. What Was there a jumping off point or was there a, a chain of events or t- walk us through that? 
Yeah, I, when I reflect back on on that time, you know, at, at Anderson, I had an opportunity to serve some of the the biggest blue chip public companies around the southeast. And while it was a great training ground, where I was certainly around some of the best and brightest minds uh, in the accounting and financial world, I had the the issue of being a very small cog in a in a huge machine. It was difficult to see the big picture or to see that that my work was ultimately making a difference to those clients. Um, I grew up in a small town in southwest Georgia with a, a pretty entrepreneurial family. Um, I knew the value of what it meant to do hard work, and, and I loved to see uh, the results of my work. And so I did get to find that at Bennett Thrasher because – in that transition, I found that BT ended up working with a little bit smaller size clients, closely held family-run businesses. And it was there that I felt that we were making a difference in those entrepreneurs' lives, you know, whether it was helping them save on taxes, if it was helping them you know, get audited financial statements that got them that critical bank loan to grow their business. But the longer that you stay in accounting, there's really two paths. There's the the technical partner that is so brilliant that uh, you need him around uh, to accomplish, you know, the, the, the myriad of, of, of tax regulations or the audit requirements, or you're a partner, you're, you get on the track to developing business. For me, at that point in time, they were never going to call me the uh, technical partner they could could not afford to lose. I wanted to – I'm a people person, and I really yeah. wanted to get into a sales role. So that was that critical juncture. I think that when I think of your name, when I hear your name, business development is like the second thing that I hear when they talk about Don Rivaldo. And it seems to me that uh, having a CPA would be very, very useful in the line of work that you're in now. I, I couldn't agree more in terms of the clients we work with. Uh, number one, a tremendous referral source are CPAs. Of course. Right. That, uh, have helped their clients along the way build a great business and their clients have come to them and said, look, you know, it's, I have a desire to, to exit, to potentially uh, transition or sell my business. Can you help me with that? And, um, you know, in our referral network, we've just got some great partners that say, sure, you know, we'd like to introduce you to Bravaldo Capital Advisors. That's what they specialize in. Uh, but it is more than that, you know, uh, our partners are very adept at helping their clients get prepared to sell their business. And so a CPA fundamentally can advise that business owner two to three years in advance of a sale to say, you know, we've been good about keeping the cost down. Um, you've saved on taxes. You probably need to start to invest in a higher level of outside reporting so that a buyer has greater assurance that what they're buying is fundamentally a sound business. And so, you know, during that process, audited financial statements, you know, taking a privately held business that's been managed to minimize taxes. And making that more like a public company that wants to show profitability is key. And so having a CPA that has th that capability of, of really looking beyond the numbers and giving that kind of advice and helping their clients through, th through 
preparing for a sale. Those are the types of CPAs that we enjoy working with. It seems like when somebody has uh, an inclination to sell their business, it seems like there is a process that involves setup, that involves maybe cleaning some things up. Tell us how you coach people around that. Very carefully, uh, <laughs> as as you know, uh, with most entrepreneurs, it's um, it's bite sized sound bites that uh, that you get when you first meet them. But uh, it all starts with with getting the lay of the land. You know what state is the business in? Um, traditionally, with referrals, there's a trust factor there. Uh, obviously, everything we do is confidential, so we yeah. we sign non disclosure agreements. But we'll look at uh, the company's uh, financial performance over the last five years, and we'll put together an analysis and come back to them and say, what are your plans for exit? What's important to you? What are you really trying to achieve? And, and you know, uh, it is no surprise that one of the first things that's critical is how much money can I get, right? What What is my business worth? You mean people want to know about money before they sell their business? Really? They might just want to know this about just money. In. Uh, and, and on top of that, you throw in the factor that uh, in many cases, what they think the business is worth <laughs> is potentially a lot more, uh, a lot less than what it really is. And so we spend time, you know, looking at, at, at business value, looking at how they've been running the business and, and asking them how much of a runway do we have to work with? Are you going to be one of those clients that will actually invest time in planning or are you going to be one of our clients, one of our many clients that come to us after events have transpired and say, it's time to sell? Yeah, I've done relatively little planning, but I've got a good business and we would agree they have a good business. Do what you can, get it sold. On the planning side of the equation, our favorite types, because we know that that planning makes a tremendous difference in our efforts and translates back into value. So back to your original question, you know, what are some of the things that, that we look at and recommend? Again, oftentimes a private owner uh, is going to manage from a tax perspective. There, there could be a lot of uh, personal expenses or family members on the payroll or you name it. We see everything from – Planes, trains, trips. I'll, I'll bet you do. Everything. We start to say, look, you're going to have to, to stop running that through the business. Yes, you're going to have to pay more in taxes today over the next few years, but it'll come back to you in a multiple of value three years from now when you sell. Yeah. That's the number one thing. And the second second key critical, critical thing is a lot of private businesses – don't have audited financial statements. They might not, might even have reviewed financial statements. This goes back to having outside assurance for investors that the company's financial records are sound. It takes time to to start that that level of service, and so getting the CPA in, involved or bringing in a CPA firm that can even provide those services uh, over and around uh, maybe the traditional tax preparer. You know, those are some of the the key things that we look at on the front end. We could talk for an hour about all of the advice that comes out of our analysis. I'll mention one key area that uh, given enough time for the planners out there, probably one of the single biggest things that we see is an owner that has a great business, is making a ton of money, but is still running around with their hair on fire trying to do everything themselves. Uh, 
So augmenting that management team, yeah. even if it's two to three years out, is is a key piece. Do you have uh, an ideal timeline of – you mentioned the runway uh, where your client prepares and does the things that you advise them to do to get it ready. Is it two years, three years? I mean it seems like the more time you have, the more you can really button this up and, and perhaps get a better value for that. Is that fair or is that off? I think it's I think it's absolutely fair. And to be honest with you, Corey, both of you and I have participated in peer-to-peer CEO organizations, and and there's there's one that we both have participated in, Vistage. They're very fond of saying saying at the beginning, think of the end, right? So when you start a business, yeah, start it with what your end game is in mind. Now that end game can change, you sure. Right. It, it it can start out being a family succession and end up being an M&A sale to the outside world. So for us, we have prospects that no lie, we've we've had a relationship over, you know, 15 years with the company. Uh, it seems like every couple of years they'll come in and say, we might want to sell this year. Can you analyze the business for us? Tell us where the value is today. And even if the value is there, um, that owner founder especially has difficulty letting go. And, uh, you know, I remember a, a story from a few years ago. There was a business that I had a 10 year relationship with. And no lie, we prepared a proposal 10 years of those 10 years. Every year they'd come in and say, now is time. And they just couldn't pull the trigger. We, uh, we finally caught that car a few years ago that, and, uh, uh, I, I remember bringing in a bottle of champagne going the longest pursuit at our firm. We finally landed them as a client. And, uh, of course, that was the kiss of death because they ultimately did did not sell after we got some great offers for the business. But, you know, there's still a prospect. We'll sell that business one day. Yeah, I think that, you know, when I think of your name, I, business development are the is the second thing that I hear after your name. But also, you know, all the relationships that you've developed, I mean, you've been very effective it building these relationships, uh, I always hear nothing but positive things about you, and I think that's a testament to how you, you how you've branded yourself and the firm. How well, did you do you that? For that? Well, I think you know fundamentally, it just it it comes back from the way I was brought up. You know, very fortunate to uh, have some great parents uh, that just taught us. You know, it's better to give than to receive, and. You know, I've tried to to build my business the same way, you know, connecting people, helping them where we can. You know, these are things that aren't often synonymous with investment banking, uh, where on Wall Street, they tend to put fees ahead of clients. And I took the opposite approach and just said, you know, we're going to help people. uh, And in doing so, good things are going to happen for our firm. Um, You know, in terms of of the the networking aspect, you know, it is true that I'm a tre- tremendous networker. Um, That's you know, an understatement. <laughs> it, it, in our business, uh, people think of us uh, negotiating all day long, uh, spending hours analyzing businesses, and we do. We have a team for that. I spend about 50%, maybe even 60% of my time developing relationships. Yeah. And all, of all those efforts, uh, our firm is a little bit different. You know, we are not trying to work with as many clients as possible. We purposefully have built the business to only work on five to seven transactions a year. But in doing so, to find the high quality company that is willing and interested in working yeah. with a firm like ours, 
we probably meet with a hundred different companies in the year. Yeah. How did you decide that this was the direction, you know, buying and selling companies, helping them get their businesses ready to sell? How did you decide after you decided, Hey, I, the track you were on as a CPA, that wasn't exactly what you wanted to do. How did you decide to start the company? Well, picking back up at, at the story, I remember uh, being a, a young um, audit manager at, at Bennett Thrasher, and I was just starting to to get an opportunity to develop business. I remember uh, the the founding partners, you know, starting to take me out on sales calls, and when we had uh, we had our, our sit down, I, I started to ask, well, what is it going to take, uh, you know, to get on a partner track to be able to do this more often than occasionally. Uh, and we talked about the time frame, and uh, I reflect back on it being a, a young uh, business professional and impatient. I would uh, reflect or com- contrast that to today. I'm not young anymore, but I'm still impatient. And at the same time that those discussions were going on, I had a recruiter approach me um, to recruit me for a position with a public company and to join their M&A team. Uh, being uh, young and single and uh, wanting an opportunity to, again, be people-facing, the job was going to require a lot of travel. Uh, it was going to require relationship building with potential companies that we wanted to acquire. So I decided to make a career change and 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 uh, plunge into corporate America uh, in the corporate development role with Hangar Orthopedic Group. And uh, when I, I look back, it was a pivotal uh, moment in my business career. But I can say that almost immediately I realized that I was passionate about the pursuit of, of doing transactions. Uh, I was very fortunate to have an incredible boss uh, who was head of the M&A program at Hangar, took me under his wing, uh, taught me how to run a corporate development uh, acquisition program, and gave me a lot of responsibility. Uh, was able to to travel around the country and acquire businesses, a hundred million dollar transaction sizes and below. Not necessarily on my own, <clears throat> mind you. I, I worked very closely with with Mike, but uh, you know that that was really the foundation from uh, switching out of, of public accounting and and getting to, into the M and A business. And how long were you there? You know what? Uh, in a day and age where corporate careers uh, are short, mine was even shorter. Uh, I was there a total of, of three years, and the first two years at Hangar uh, were incredible. You know, drank through the fire hose. As they say uh, in, the, in the M&A business, they're dog years, you know, 80-hour weeks and, you know, the pursuit of a transaction when it's there. Um, we were on fire uh, looking at uh, probably – 70 or 80 companies a year and, and buying um, 10 or 15 back then in those days. Um, but a year and a half after I joined Corey, we decided to get away from our accretive to earnings, buying smaller companies and, and, and uh, integrating them into our company strategy. We decided to buy our largest competitor. And it was a transaction size of almost equal size as, as Hanger at the time. And so um, the long story short, that, that transaction uh, proved very challenging and, and, and financially damaging to Hanger at the time. Uh, we nearly lost the company. Uh, fortunately, I can say that, it, that our department was not in charge of that. Uh, Hanger uh, 
figured out a way to go to Wall Street and pay a uh, Wall Street investment bank a lot of money to teach him how to overpay for an acquisition. So I emphasize this story today with a lot of the companies I meet with. You know, I've been a part of hundreds of successful transactions, and I've seen transactions that aren't successful, and I've seen the consequences. So my last six months with Hangar before uh, things got so bad, they had to reorganize the business and and uh, halt the M&A program, uh, were spent closing non-performing NovaCare facilities that we had acquired in that acquisition. So three years, corporate America, uh, fell in love with the M&A business. That bug uh, bit and, and hasn't turned loose. So I, I wanted to stay in the M&A business, uh, looked for other corporate business development jobs here in Atlanta. And at the time, there weren't any um, M&A positions available. Uh, the recruiters were trying to get uh, Georgia Boy to head up to, to uh, the northeast or to the west coast. And I wasn't interested in, in leaving family that far behind. So the idea occurred to me that perhaps I could take what I'd learned in buying businesses and use that to help private business owners. And when did you start Brevaldo Capital Advisors? Well, I, the actual start date was 2010, but uh, in reality, I started doing deals and advising private business owners as far ago as long ago as as 2000. I was going to say 20 years was going to be my my estimate. But, sure, but you certainly have a wealth of experience where you can uh, guide and help folks uh, and be a trusted resource. And certainly, that I believe that probably helps you in your credibility when you're schmoozing and meeting people out there who's who are thinking about you know selling their businesses. Well, the experience of, of the past 20 years of advising private business owners, there's no substitute for that. You know, the school of hard knocks, um, I can tell you we haven't seen it all. That's the beautiful thing about M&A. Every day is different. Uh, there's always a challenge and always a problem to tackle. But, uh, you know, you do get the benefit of, of that experience. And, and uh, you know, a lot of the same issues do tend to repeat themselves with, with the uh, smaller companies to mid-sized companies that we tend to serve. Do you uh, do you have a sweet spot like an industry, or are there some uh, a consistent set of criteria that that you have your antenna up for when you're sort of going out and meeting these people and kind of doing your initial assessment? Sure. Well, um, you know the financial criteria. Uh, we've built our firm to to work with what we call lower middle market companies, and everybody has a different definition. But for us. Stone, that's uh, businesses that could be as large as 300 million in annual revenues uh, to as small as 10 million. Now, I know that's a, a crazy broad range, but it really depends on the industry group, right? So a good example of a great client for Brevaldo Capital at the, at the very large end of that range, two or 300 million could be, you know, a very low margin distributor. Uh, example, building products and fasteners. Mm-hmm. You know, they operate on, on, very thin margins. It could be uh, food distribution, uh, food brokerage, very, very low margins. And and at that level, uh, it's still a great business that we could work with. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, a $10 million revenue company in the technology space that has recurring revenues, that's a very valuable company. They may not have any EBITDA or profitability, but that business is probably going to sell for a, a multiple of revenue, even a high multiple of revenue. So revenue ranges 300 million to, to 10 million. 
we're typically industry agnostics. We're, we're one of the, the few remaining generalists out there and proud of it. You know, the benefits of, of working across industries, you get to see a lot of different things. You meet a, a number of different buyers. And what people forget about in this day and age of specialization is that, you know, the buying community changes its strategy all the time. I've watched corporate America, you know, switch CEOs three times in three years, and each one of them has a different acquisition strategy and a different industry that it may decide to buy in. Private equity groups, they may be buying in three or four different industries in a calendar year. And so, you know, being able to cross-pollinate, being able to think quickly on your feet, being able to look at each business and assess it independently of what your experience set may be. These are all the strengths that a generalist firm brings to the table. But that said, you know, we have a, a great track record um, in uh, several different industries, industrials being probably the core where I founded the business um, when I was developing my business from the beginning and back in 2000. Uh, and we've added on business services, technology, and healthcare. Um, it's probably easier for me to say uh, what we don't do, and it's typically highly regulated industries. That's that's just something that that a specialist firm would probably be better at than a generalist firm. One of the things that uh, you'd mentioned early on is the networking. And uh, my experience with you is that uh, you're very uh, unselfish and are not shy about giving uh, really maybe to your own detriment, not thinking about, you know, what you might get back. And everybody always says, at least in my experience, you know, yeah, Don, I'll make this introduction. Yes, Don, I'll help you with this. And, you know, sometimes they're short on the actual follow through. And that has not been my experience with you. I, I think that, you know, the show is based on, you know, we're building, uh, we're following up on relationships where we've had great, great relationships, either because somebody is a subject matter expert like yourself, or, you know, they're just unselfish about making introductions or they're okay. And they think about different ways that they can add value to clients. And, you know, clients, they may need stuff that you don't have any expertise in, but, you know, many times we've earned enough trust with them where they, where they kind of expect you to go out and figure it out. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Market Made Atlanta, this show is about referring business. It's about subject matter expertise. And uh, I think that, you know, at some point, the clients that I have are going to want to have a conversation. And the people that I've sent to you have always said, you know, good things and positive things. And the other thing about that is, I know you follow up. I mean, I, I just can't be placed in a position to make a referral and then have the client go, hey, you know, your guy never called me. And I mean, uh, so, I mean, the fact that you have this sub subject matter expertise is great. Uh, the fact that you're unselfish with introductions is also great. But I mean, you follow through. So that's, and in building this group, you know, Stone and I wanted to, you know, be able to make sure that we created people that had the right mindset there that are okay at thinking about giving as opposed to getting. And, and you certainly fit the bill on all those metrics. Well, thank you for that, Corey. And I, I couldn't agree more um, with your philosophy. It, it is ours. You know, number one, uh, in terms of a follow-up, uh, everything that we do in our business, we do it with a sense of urgency, right? And you know, there's yes. an old adage in M&A, and I'm sure it's, it's true in other businesses, time kills deals, right? And so, you know, a business owner that that has made the decision to implement their exit strategy, uh, you know, wants to see, you know, maximum effort to making that happen. And so I'm very fortunate to have built a, a team that, that shares that sense of urgency. 
you know, we're incredibly communi- communicative with our clients. Uh, we're available 24-7. Uh, and in this day of age where you expect 24-7, we, we actually follow through on 24-7. You know, it's not uncommon for us to get the, the late night calls either from the buying community that's, that's hit an issue or, or from our sellers that, you know, are worrying, are they doing the right thing? Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that communication is key in M&A to, to being successful and to helping our clients achieve their, their goals. As far as <clears throat> collaboration, you know, it, it does take a village, uh, to, to have a successful M&A transaction. You know, we can't do it alone. Uh, you know, our piece is, is critical, but there are other critical pieces, right? That, that probably come at different times. You know, in a perfect world, we talked about that company that's willing to plan, uh, at least three years in advance and, and preferably, you know, four or five years in advance. And at that stage, you can involve, you know, your CPA, your attorney, your wealth manager, your insurance and risk management folks and, and tell them, look, this is the plan. You know, we're going to, to build the company over the next five years to eventually sell it. You know, I want each of you as, as a resident expert in your fields of expertise. I want you to know each other. I want you to collaborate. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, writing a blank check here, but if you guys want to do some planning together, you know, once every six months, uh, now's the time to, to really start thinking about yeah. these things. So we, we love working with others. Obviously, when we get into the market, i.e. marketing a business professionally for sale, it's an incredibly difficult time. And oftentimes our, many of our clients do come to us and say, I'm ready to execute. You know, there's not three years of planning in advance. Make this happen. So if we're in that a transaction environment, if we're in the market, if we're trying to close a deal, just how critical it is uh, to introduce outside professionals mm-hmm. that we know and trust and yeah. are, are going to get the job done, it's it's incredibly important. And so I can't emphasize that enough. The team that you're building, you know, you have trust in them. And likewise, uh, we do and you as well. And and that's what it takes to to really put a deal on the line to bring in somebody else. How, how do you two decide who you're going to let into this sacred circle of trust? I mean, because you got to be careful, right? Your reputation's on the line. Do you do you guys have some disciplines on that side of things, like things you're looking for in other people, and you're like, "Yep, that." that. I do. I can speak to. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for Don, but um, you know, I turned 55 at the end of May, and you've you been road hard and put up wet, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> no, you look good. <laughs> Well, this is a radio show, so it's good that they don't have the actual video here. This is I suppose. why I do radio. But no, you have some rules or disciplines yeah, I, or something. I think what I've what I've learned is this: uh, like no trust. I have a really good client, and I asked him the same question. He said, "Like no trust." I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He said, "If I don't like the person, it's hard for me to want to get to know them." And I and I get that. And he said, "If I don't know them." It's hard for me to make these introductions and do business with them. And, and so that the like, no trust is I realized that, uh, in my advanced age, I need to listen to those things. If I, if my first gut instinct is that I really think someone is really, you know, good, then I need to follow it. And if it's the opposite, I need to also follow that as well. And, you know, there's a lot of people here in our industry, in our businesses, and there's, there's, there's a lot of people that think just like us. And so. Uh, I'm committed to to finding those, and um, 
The other thing I look at is when I do make a referral, you know, on some level, you're kind of like Chuck Woolery on the love connection. You know, you've got to match up the personalities. I mean, at least this is the way I think of it, you know, like no trust, but you got to match up personalities. You can't match a driver up with somebody that's laid back. It, it may not work. And so ultimately that referral is going to come back to you and, and, you know, your client may say, well, you know, Don, your guy was kind of aggressive. I, you know, and, and, and now it, maybe it has the opportunity to adversely affect the relationship that you have with that person. So there's, for me, there's a lot of considerations like no trust got to be, you got to know what you're talking about. I don't want people to go in and sell my clients. I just help them, you know, help educate them help them get their questions answered, and maybe they do something, maybe they don't. But the whole basis of what Don and I do is education. I mean, you know, most business owners, they don't know, hey, you should take some time and build a runway out there to shore up whatever needs to be shored up in your business and so on. Um, And also, you know, they have to follow through. I just simply cannot be placed in a position where somebody says, hey, Stone, you know, uh, your guy never called me. And, and now I, now it's a follow up item on my calendar that I got to go back, you know, to the referral that I initially made. So, uh, that's kind of a long answer to a short question. And, you know, I, I think I can pick up on just a couple of pieces. Number one, let me reiterate, you know, other professionals, you know, who would we refer? Who would we bring into a deal? Stone, great question. I couldn't agree more with Corey that after answering a few critical questions, that personalities do matter. Uh, to, to be able to communicate effectively to the client, uh, you know, there's got to be that mutual trust and respect, uh, and that likability factor, uh, you know, certainly helps on the communication front. I think the, the, the first starting point, uh, for us is, um, assessing that, that their, their technical ability and, and having confidence that they're incredibly good at, at their field of expertise. You know, how do we get insight into that? Uh, it's, you know, many years of getting to know one another, uh, having, uh, you know, the experience of maybe working, uh, on a transaction together or on opposite sides of it. Or in our professional community, you over time realize who's incredibly successful at what they do. Another key component that I look for, um, while I want to see that success, I do want to see that 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 advisor can be a good listener, right? There, there are a lot of advisors that, that, that are good talkers, but I want to see some good listeners, uh, because it, it does take, uh, a lot of patience and listening, uh, to get through critical issues on transactions. Uh, and then finally, um, we try and match values. Uh, we, you know, we're not going to, when we have a choice, if we um, we don't see that the values aligning from an integrity standpoint or the how we do business standpoint, and those are those are things that you develop a uh, you know an appreciation for uh, and knowledge of over time as you get to know people. The other thing that's important is uh, you know it's kind of it's kind of cool to help out somebody that you built a relationship with. I mean, I think that uh, I'm not going to speak for you, but I know that. You know, most of the business that I get, I get on my own because, uh, you know, of things that I've developed, blogging, you know, speaking and so on. And your premier radio show, Tuesdays with Corey, the second Tuesday of every month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Market Made Atlanta. But uh, I think that it's really cool when you get a referral from someone, especially, mm-hmm. you know, someone like you because you know that 
you've done you've answered some questions. They have more than a passing interest. It's not a name in a phone book, and it's you know somebody that is going to understand why I'm calling them or emailing them when I do that. So I think that you know setting it up is is very good as well. And um, you know when I when somebody needs a referral, I will set up a virtual introduction. And, you know, I'll set up the email, I'll give the contact information, I'll let them know, hey, here's what, in this case, here's what Don does. He buys and sells companies, he provides advice prior to the sale, he helps you make the sale, and he helps you maximize your time that you've put in the business. And uh, I think that if I take the time to do that, that that helps. And then, you know, most times I will call both folks. But the whole reason that it was generated in the first place is somebody said, you know, do you know anybody that can help me sell my company? And well, yeah, let me call them and, you know, let me kind of give them a heads up and I'll introduce you guys and you take it from there that I'm out of the middle of it. Well, you take it to the nth degree though, because it's one thing to do that within your own ecosystem, right? But I could ask you if, if you know a good roofer and if you don't, you'll go on the hunt for me. I mean, you're that guy, yeah. which is marvelous. I love that. Well, you just, we just try to be a resource to people. And even if it doesn't, you know, affect you directly right now, it, it, it may at some point. And, you know, one of the s- stories that I have is I had a client that came to me a number of years ago that, you know, was less than satisfied with their payroll processing company. And, you know, I was kind of listening, you know, to him and, and he was, you know, going on and on. And then he said, you know, I, and I need you to find the, a solution for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of laughed and he, and, and I, I said, well, I'm not really, he said, well, think about how many people, you know, surely you must know somebody. And, um, so, you know, the payroll company that he had, you know, was, uh, you know, put the payroll services in and then of course had other things that they wanted to sell and they just, you know, drove them insane, you know, kept, you know, going back to him with these other things. And so I did find a company that only does payroll and I, you know, heavily vetted the person and I realized that's probably not the last time that's going to happen. Because uh, my wife and I don't have any kids. We go out to eat a lot. And our biggest discussions are, you know, what I'm going to cook on the big green egg or what bottle of wine we're going to open or where we're going to go eat. And so, you know, we, we get asked about all kinds of things. And um, I realized I needed to come up and find that solution, even if it had really nothing to do with what I do every day. So just being a resource, I think, is really important. But it's for me, that's one more reason for me to have my antenna up and looking for opportunities <clears throat> to bring you into the fold. You know, I mean, if I will, I will look for and even search out because I'm beginning to learn more and more about who is a good prospective client for you. I'm actively searching that out. But part of the reason is because of the way that you've conducted yourself during the whole. Well, I think you, I think, you know, the other thing, the people that get referrals from me, they're going, one of the things that they ask me is, okay, what's your experience with this guy? And, you know, certainly when I refer you, I can say, well, I've, I've known Stone now for going on three years. You know, we've had a radio show that, that we do together. I have another show that he helps me with. It's generated X amount of business and so on. And so I can say, here's the things that you need to be prepared to talk about with him. And, and vice versa. I mean, you and Holly are clients of mine, which you shared at the outset of the, the broadcast today. And anybody that needs my expertise, you're going to be able to say, well, well, I'm a client of his and here's why I like it. And to me, that, that really, uh, it really makes it more straightforward because if somebody wants to refer me to somebody that they don't, that they don't have any experience with, it just, it's it sort of, it makes me feel some kind of way, like, kind of like, are you, you know, what's the real reason you're sending me this way? 
Um, so if I have a personal relationship with someone, if I've done business with them and the experience is good, you know, then that I'm, I'm happy to help people because it helps my relationship with both parties and, and people that have known me, they know that I throw compliments around like manhole covers. They know that I, I would tell them, <laughs> not this guy. Very true. And, and so, you know, I mean, but you know, that's the way I was brought up. You know, I mean, uh, my dad was a no gray area kind of guy and, um, you know, just lay her out there, let them know. Well, it, it's a, it's certainly a testimony uh, to the way you do business because we do have uh, mutual clients in, in common. <clears throat> And uh, every one of them, you know, talks about how you go out of your way to help, even in in areas where where it's it's not your field of expertise, but you've gone the extra mile to really do the diligence and and help that business owner solve a problem. And you know, really, that's what it's it's all about in our business too. You know, trying to find ways to help business owners solve problems. Um, you know, one of the really <clears throat> cool things that I enjoy about our business is we get to see so many different types of businesses. And again, when we have the opportunity to build the, a community and, and form a long-term relationship, you know, it's not just about, you know, ultimately the, the M&A event. It's about, you know, our goal for this year is growing X and, you know, we may need some extra capital to be able to do that. Uh, do you know anyone? Do you know a more aggressive lender, uh, that potentially would, um, you know, uh, actually pay attention to us and, and help us, you know, through some of the challenges we have. Um, it could be something, uh, as crazy as I remember a, a year or so ago, uh, a business owner, uh, approached me and said, you know, look, I, I found out that my, my wealth management firm has, has been overcharging me. Um, I think there's a, Ouch. a I think the, that there's some, I'm sure that cheered him up. <laughs> yeah. It cheered him up. And he said, well, look, do you, do you know, um, you know, a, um, a lawyer that can help pursue in this particular circumstance. I'd never done this before, uh, but, um, you know, was very fortunate that over the years of networking, uh, to have met someone that, uh, actually specialized in, in, uh, business litigation with, with broker dealers, which was what was called for. And so it was, you know, it was actually relatively easy to connect those people. Many of the things that we get to see, uh, we've, we see business owners doing some amazing things with their business and those ideas are transferable, right? So we learn vicariously through them and we're able to share with other business owners that are trying to tackle that same problem. So, you know, we may not be, you know, uh, widget manufacturers, but we've been in, you know, hundreds of widget manufacturing companies and we know a good company when we see it and we know um, some of the challenges that they face and we know how <laughs> others have solved those problems. So we're, we're um, readily available and interested in offering advice and connections to help our clients grow their businesses. Now, Don, how many employees does your firm have now? Internally, uh, we have a team of, of seven investment banking professionals and support staff. Uh, which is a good size. Uh, we are trying to add uh, an additional analyst as we speak and uh, have had some amazing candidates. And so it's it's been a difficult choice trying to zero in on just who we, we want to grow our firm with. Uh, we also uh, have an amazing advisory board uh, comprised of retired CEOs uh, and executives in transition. And they number another uh, seven advisors. Uh, and some of them are, are very involved in our business. Uh, they're very active. And this was an idea that I got 
years ago. Thankfully, I followed through on it because I have a lot of ideas that sometimes don't get implemented. But this idea was – Gee, I've never heard that before. <laughs> every entrepreneur has that, that, that issue. But, you know, we wanted to differentiate ourselves, and we knew that this planning thing was very important to our, our clients and our future clients. And many times we'll meet that business owner that says, hey, I have a goal of growing my business from 50 million in annual revenues to 100 million, right? That's what I want to do, and then I'll sell. Well, we'd get to that point and we'd say, well, look, we can do a business valuation. We can do a readiness assessment. But, you know, along the way, we're not going to be capable of giving you operational advice how to get there. And I realized that, look, there's there's a great resource. You know, there's a, a many, many uh, high-quality retired CEOs in this community. There are many executives that, that are in transition that are willing to give time. You know, why not put a, an operating board together and get some operational expertise? And so for surprisingly very few uh, cases, it's not that we don't mention this service to everyone we meet. It's just many entrepreneurs get busy and and uh, and don't spend the time uh, to plan. <clears throat> but for a few, we're able to to plug them in with some amazing CEOs that have been there and done it, and not only grown a business to a hundred million, but have had P and L responsibility for a billion dollar a year organization. We've just got you know people like George McConnell and Bob Thomas on our board that uh, have done some amazing things and and grown some businesses and they're a great ref- resource for lower middle market companies that are willing to engage and and are interested in working how do you keep your employees engaged you know uh it's it's fairly easy um you know we're we're hungry uh every year the clock resets uh you know uh every calendar year you it's about how many uh, successful transactions you can help your clients achieve. Uh, so all of us are, are very performance based. Uh, you know, we're, we're not an investment bank that's affiliated with, you know, a very large commercial enterprise like a, a bank. Many M&A firms are a part of the, the big national banks or they're part of, you know, the Wall Street broker dealer, um, uh, firms and they have a, a big referral network. And so, um, they're not as hungry. They can wait on transactions. And, you know, if if the deals don't work out in a calendar year, they're still going to do pretty well. Uh, our firm, uh, it, everybody there is motivated to um, to really make things happen, to be responsive. Uh, and there is a component to our business where, you know, sometimes things don't work out. And uh, I, I try and look for a team that can take a long-term view. Um, which is is really hard to find. I mean, uh, everybody wants a, immediate gratification, um, but I will tell you in this business, over the long run, and if you can look at it, you know, on a two to three year basis, um, it can be financially rewarding because you've made great things happen for your clients. Well, I think that the uh, in your line of business, and correct me if I'm off in any way, shape, or form. You have to have the right relationships, and you know, people I think want to watch you and hear about you and talk to others about you. And if if they have four, five, six, seven, eight years of experience with you, then they're going to, they're likely going to be more apt to say, Hey, Don, it's, it's time to sell my company as opposed to somebody you just meet. That's why I think it's, you know, one, one of the things you do of all the things you do very well, one of the things you do continue to do is go out and rub elbows and network and, you know, do those business development kind of things. 
It's so true. I mean, it's we were talking about, you know, what do we look for in professionals that we're going to refer in to our clients, especially in a, a critical kind of M&A type situation or, or pre-deal planning type engagement. Those professionals are doing the same thing, right? They're assessing, you know, the quality of the firm and how you do business. Yeah. I mean, it's a rare day that I, I meet a, a business professional and uh, they say, look, uh, I've got this this, you know, longtime client that's thinking about selling their business. No, they, they want to get to know you. They want to assess your values and make sure they align just like we do with them. Um, so yes, it's, uh, you know, time is your friend. If you, uh, are careful and you stick to your principles and, and you do things the right way. Uh, over time, people realize that, and in the long run, uh, they, uh, they like to do business with people that they know and trust. It's an interesting point and an important point, I think, as a commission-based salesperson early in my career and as an entrepreneur and business owner later in my career, I've had some real peaks and valleys in, um, in income you know, and have like a really strong quarter, even a super strong year. And I know personally I have caught myself kind of coasting, you know, after, after a really nice quarter, a really nice year, and maybe not, you know, exercising what I call high-velocity habits, you know. Just, you know, doing the things, the basic blocking and tackling every day, every week, every month. Uh, people in my system sometimes fall in that trap, you know, our other studio partners. I, it's personally, I mean, it's, you got to stay on top of that, right? And keep pushing that handle. No, you absolutely do, Stone. Uh, and that, you know, that's probably, you know, the biggest challenge in our business. Um, is, you know, we are not a recurring revenue business, right? You know, it's typically, especially on the sell side, it's, it's a one and done, right? You know, one and done type event. Now it's great when you find that mon, uh, that technology entrepreneur that's going to, you know, found and, and start and sell three businesses, but, um, you know, it, it doesn't typically happen every day. And so, you know, we, we take the time as a team to celebrate our clients' victories, right? Because a lot goes into achieving those victories. You know, I usually give it a, a few days to, to, for the dust to settle. And then, you know, I am one of those drivers that Corey mentioned. Uh, and that's what it really what it takes is, is setting, you know, a high, high pace and a high bar. Uh, and with that, you know, I do encourage my people, you know, take all of your vacation. Because you're going to need it, right? Because when you're in here, you better bring your A game. And, and that's just really the way that, that we do business. Um, but for a boutique firm that's not a large firm but not a small firm and somewhere in between, you know, there's absolutely peaks and valleys in a business that is very susceptible to, you know, economic uh, contra contractions and expansions. And so, um, you know, it's my job as, as the president of the firm to – you know, try and have that crystal ball to see where we're going. And uh, in bad times, you know, our business grows on the buy side. You know, smart money buys when when time when times are tough and and valuations are down. Um, and in times like this, you know, we're heavily weighted towards sell side where valuations are through the roof. Um, and when times are really tough, you know, we help dig through distressed transactions and and help owners work out of problems by um, helping them sell their businesses and, and get out from under personal guarantees. And we, we do that in partnership with turnaround firms and others. But, you know, that's uh, that's hopefully a, a different time that's a long way off in the future. But, you know, at some point we'll be back there again. And, and that's just a few of the ways we, we try and deal with those ups and those peaks and valleys. Don, what gives you the greatest satisfaction in your day-to-day -day activities with your company? Without a doubt, uh, 
it, it's really helping that entrepreneur uh, that has, has spent their entire time as an owner founder building a business, or if it's a um, a family business that you know is maybe second or third generation. It, you know, it's it's the family's generational pursuit. You know, building a, a very valuable asset uh, and helping them realize uh, you know the the final touchdown. Uh, to their entrepreneur or, or, or ownership career and help them put an exclamation point on that. Um, you know, it, uh, it's a great feeling to see them, you know, successfully exit the business on their terms. Yes, valuation is a key to that. Everybody wants to hit that home run, uh, and, and, and get you know, get wealthy or add to tremendous wealth that, that they've already generated out of the business. But it's it's also more than that. It's the satisfaction of of helping them decide, determine, and then execute on selling to the right kind of buyer, yeah. to taking care of their people in that transaction, to for some of those business owners that care about that legacy, devising a marketing plan that is is going to sell the business to someone who's going to continue to run the business. Um, very much in the same fashion and that net name survive and the employees continue to have a home. So there's, there's a lot of different levers that can get pulled, uh, in the transaction. Uh, no day is, is ever the same. Uh, it is, it's a wonderful feeling though to, to really help that entrepreneur uh, achieve, achieve success. And, you know, I also reflect back, uh, I don't want to divert too much, but, you know, we're, we're in a day and an age where, you know, maybe capitalism is, is being questioned. I'm a, you know, I'm a staunch capitalist because I see just how difficult it is to grow a business. And I see the sacrifices that, that American entrepreneurs make every day. And, you know, I want them to, to really, you know, find that, that, that really home run at the end of the rainbow. Um, because they're not appreciated, uh, and, and, uh, in, in some ways maybe under threat going forward. So I feel like it's, it's a mission and it's a passion. Well, I think, uh, you know, you've worked extremely hard at building your reputation, your business. Uh, you know, you've been diligent, you've been enormously disciplined, you've studied, you've got all this history. But I, another word that I would use for you is proactive. You're out there, you know, you can't, you know, I, and I know you, I know you wouldn't do this, but you're not really in a position where you can coast. And, um, so you're out, I know you're out beating the bushes, you know, uh, every day to, uh, continue because I think, I think, again, the two words that I think about after I hear your name is, oh, business development. Well, business development expert, because you're out there schmoozing, rubbing elbows and making an impact on people because at some point they'll, want to sell their company or they'll want to talk to somebody about selling their company or they'll know somebody that wants to do those two things. Well, it's again, very kind of you to say, because, you know, that I'm not ashamed to admit there's no formal sales training here. It's, it's all been by accident and just doing what I thought came naturally. But, uh, you know, um, again, you know, putting people first, uh, you know, has been, you know, the key to our success, Surrounding ourselves with high quality people, whether they're professionals like you, Corey, that we know and trust. And if any of our clients have a long term planning care need or question, there's it's it's an easy call to make to get you involved to having, a, you know, an incredible team behind me at Brevaldo Capital Advisors that uh, has allowed us to grow. 
uh, and that care about our clients uh, and uh, have really helped us develop the business to, to where we are today. I'm very thankful for that and blessed. How is how has your business evolved since you started? Wow, there's been there's been a ton of change as it as it relates back to to M and A. I would just say um, that 20 years ago, when I was buying businesses for Hanger, uh, the due diligence process was short. Uh, I remember that uh, we'd make an offer, and um, you know, within probably a month to two months, we'd close a deal uh, or less. Uh, due diligence period was was probably about two weeks. It consisted of a site visit that might be two or three days. And I remember the late 90s uh, due diligence being described as drive-by due diligence, right? There, there, were deals, there were deals happening, and I'm not even sure people went to visit the companies. Um, and that was just the day and age back then. And today, uh, that period, uh, you know, is extended. Uh, you know, we've got a deal right now where, where we've been in due diligence for four months. And, hmm. and it, it's, it's appropriate. You know, there's been a lot of challenges to get through. And uh, we've got a good buyer that's hung in there, and we've got a, a great business that uh, – has met those challenges head on. There's, uh, they faced headwinds with the tariff situation. So we've worked through that, but the due diligence period is extended. The amount of data and information required has been a big change. The other key change I'll mention, knowing that we have a short amount of time, um, is private equity. That, uh, that has been a game changer in our business over the last 10 or 15 years. Good or, good or otherwise? Um, good. Good. It's helped make a market for smaller market companies where they didn't have private equity as an option before. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But the big reason is top down. You know, a lot of money has gone into alternative assets because people are chasing yields and these big institutional clients need higher returns to support retirement retirement funds. That money has been allocated to private equity. And because of that, you know, private equity has been forced to compete more and more for a very small number of, of high-quality transactions out there. And they've, they've chosen to do that by differentiating and by going down market. So when I started 20 years ago, private equity was, you know, for billion-dollar transactions. And, you know, 10 years ago, it had come down to $500 million. You know, five years ago, it had started to creep into lower middle market transactions, $100 million deal sizes below. And today, my, my time frame's off a little bit, but today, you know, a, a business that, you know, is as small as a five or $10 million business could become part of a private equity deal. Um, whether, whether it's that private equity firm that owns something in the industry and is just trying to grow through acquisition, or, you know, if it's a business that's, it's probably, you know, north of 10 million, uh, could serve as a private equity platform. And that gives owners more of a chance to, to maximize value and to have different options than just selling to a competitor, which was what existed before. Well, Don, you've had a great run, lots of success over the years. And, uh, if there, uh, if you could give the younger version of yourself some advice, what would it be? Pay more attention uh, when you were starting your accounting career. You could have learned a, a little bit more, uh, but uh, uh, that would be one thing. Number two, uh, you know, read a few sales and marketing books along the way and <laughs> make things a little easier on yourself in terms of generating clients. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate uh, and prior to starting Provaldo Capital Advisors to to meet up with um, some folks at a prede predecessor firm that that taught me um, direct sales. 
right? And, uh, you know, I grounded out on the telephones, uh, building up, a, you know, a book of business that way. So I've, I've done it both ways, believe it or not. And, um, you know, I was just a, a much better networker and knew that that would lead to larger, more sophisticated transactions. But, um, you know, I, I would just say to myself, you know, study up on sales and marketing. That's what it's all about when you're building a business. If there was a young person that wanted to get into your line of work, what advice would you have for them? Don't do it the way I did it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, school of hard knocks, um, you know, really building a, a boutique investment bank and, and not coming out of the industry with a bigger firm, uh, which was the is the path that most people choose. Um, if you're really interested in investment banking, uh, it would probably be easier to get that experience on Wall Street and don't learn the bad habits. Um, but learn as much as you can, just like I did at Arthur Anderson, and then and then take that same knowledge and uh, and apply it to a smaller size client. That was basically our playbook, and uh, and that would be my advice to them. If it's somebody that is is not on that industry track, um, as many of us, we start you know in one career and figure out that something else is our calling. Uh, for me, that bridge to corporate America, where I I, I got the experience. Uh, from, uh, you know, a very experienced uh, boss that, that, that taught me how to acquire businesses. Corporate America on the biz dev side, you know, is a great training ground for, for what we do as well. And then I would add, you know, the financial background. It's very difficult to, to deal with the size businesses that we do and not have an incredibly solid financial background, whether you, you get that on the accounting side or on the banking side. Don, you've had a great run. You've been a great guest here. If uh, the listenership wanted to get a hold of you, how would they best do that? Do you have a website that they could maybe go to? Absolutely. Um, it's Brivaldo Capital Advisors with an S dot com. That, that'll be the best way to, to get in touch with us. Um, look us up on the web, you know, our, our general numbers out there and we do answer the phones. And what is your phone number if somebody wanted to call your organization? Our general number is 404-857. Two 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 one, and then is there a general email address that they might use? It's uh, info at bc dash advisors with an s dot com. Don Brivaldo of Brivaldo Capital Advisors, you've been a great guest. Uh, congratulations on all your success and continued su- success. Thank you very much. Oh, Corey, thank you, thank you, Stone. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely our pleasure, man. Thank you for sharing your story. All right, this is Stone Payton for Corey Rick. Our guest today, Don Bravaldo with Bravaldo Capital Advisors and everyone here at the Business Radio X family. We'll see you next time on Market Mate Atlanta.